Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Williamsville Wire, your home for Williamsville sports. I'm Seth Coons. Nathan Simcoe not yet with me today, but I do bring on Mr. Zach Kirker and Mr. Derek Paris. Guys, how are we doing today? Good, man. What's up? Nothing. Doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad that you guys were able to uh, make it out today. Definitely been looking to get DP on the podcast for a while, but this week I was thinking things are kind of winding down, and I was hoping to maybe get the person who kind of helped create 1450 and the person who is now running it. So uh, I'll start over with uh, Kirker. Uh, what was the process like to kind of start up 1450 and really get it running? Yeah, um, not as grand as you'd think it was, to be honest with you. Um, I had left Channel 20, and I really didn't have a plan on what to do next with my career. <laughs> and so um, I uh, you know, I walked into the radio station, and uh, Kevin O'Day, and at that time it was Daniel Outlaw, and I was just like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do next. And I said, I really think that there is potential to, to do uh, an online sports venture, right? Mm -hmm. um, it was 2010. So if you think back to that, like, I mean, I, I had just gotten on Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that, right? And so um, I kind of delayed on some of those things a little bit um, and but had realized that that was, that was the direction that things were going to be moving, that fewer and fewer people were watching the 1027 to 1029 sportscast, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, it really just started on a premise that, like, let's just start putting sports content online. And it was um, – that was it. And they're like, all right, well – there's a broom closet downstairs and we'll put a desk in there and you just kind of like start working on that. And uh, honestly, that's that's kind of how 1450 began. So how has the team grown kind of throughout the years? It started off with you and how has it kind of gone from there? Yeah, so for like uh, not quite the first year, but for the first six months or so, it was just me and it was sort of a blog post. And then when, when there was started to get a little traction there, we uh, you know decided to bring in Brian Bowes at that point, who had been my sports director at Channel 20. And I think that that you know, helped legitimize it some because Brian had such a reputation through town and had such experience in covering sports and a lot of great relationships. He really understood what was the important stuff to be covering. And so um, it legitimized our... Um, uh, you know, this little, like, look, I'm not going to lie. We, we took shots from people at the newspaper and people at the TV stations about doing an online sports website. You know, <laughs> it'll never work, they said. Um, and so bringing Brian in, I think, legitimized it. I think that it, it brought some energy to it. And uh, over the years, we've had, you know, I don't know what with DP and his, his staff now, um, I'd say somewhere between six to ten different full-timers and part-timers that have been a part of the whole process. Um, but it's it's grown into a machine now, you know, and um, that's a huge credit to DPM, what, what those guys have done with it here over the last several years. When you – sorry to jump in, Seth. I just yeah, have a quick question. Uh, you talked about Brian, but what was the process like when you went to Kevin, you went to Danielle and said, hey, you know, this is still growing. Let's – we need one more. Like, we need another one. Let's let's keep that going because that, at that point you were probably like, okay, let's try to – see what else we can bring in in terms of not only creative but like not to call you guys old but it was like okay let's get somebody younger and see um what that was like because was that the process or was you were you looking for somebody a little bit older um you know when when, when brian came in it was really just about um you know trying to solidify 
a two-man staff. After that, Mikey O'Brien was the next guy who came in and spent a year with us, right? Mm. And Mikey was a young guy. Um, and we just needed bandwidth, man. I mean, it was just, you know, you're trying to cover so many things. We started just with football and basketball, basically, right? But you know how it is. And DP, you've been through this. The minute you start covering swimming or track or whatever, you don't, you don't stop because you set an expectation. Now you set the standard that we're going to do these things. And so when we started to grow our appetite and grow how much stuff we wanted to cover, we needed more people to do it. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, they were, they were bought in to what our, um, our goal was to be the leader in the market in doing that. And so we added a third person and I think that third person was there for a long time, you know, you and Chase senior and, um, and I know COVID has impacted that some, but COVID has impacted everything and that's, you know, just part of the deal and we got to deal with. Yeah. Fun times. So DP over to you, he kind of talks about building that brand. Uh, it's definitely a great brand, very well respected. How do you think it's kind of affected the Springfield area sports community? That's a loaded question. seems it like, um, <laughs> I think it's uh, most of the feedback is positive, um, for sure. But I think it's, um, it's the Avenue, the ability to shine a light on, um, not only how hard the kids work and how hard the coaches work, but um, I know Zach talks about it a lot. Kids these days, it's it's a way to show um, the positive things and, and bring out good stories, not just new stories about you know kids getting in trouble or kids doing bad things. For this, it's um, we try to keep it as positive as possible and shine a light on all the great things that are happening. I mean, Rochester football winning five state championships in a row and then going on eight out of ten um just being able to tell those stories at a level that nobody else can is something that i think is is a, is a positive for everyone and that's the feedback that we've gotten and that's why um people want to come on board and, and be a part of it is because you know we're able to tell the great stories of things that happen in a way that nobody else can or nobody else did before Kirker, you kind of talk about you open with that blog post uh and then you kind of move. It's grown definitely to highlights, you know, moving to football season, the high school fantasy football, the big nasty. Mm -hmm. How did all of those ideas kind of come about? It's, um, I think I've talked about this a little bit with DP before, but, um, like the, the idea of innovation is incremental almost always. Right. So there's not like, a, again, it wasn't a big grand design. <clears throat> we didn't have charted out all the different features that would be on the website when we started like big nasty started because Brian, uh, bows on, you know, uh, Friday night highlights on channel 20, we would take the biggest hit of the night and it was called the big nasty, you know, and it, it was a beloved segment. And so we expanded into being first, it was like a one hit of the night on Friday nights. And then it grew into this whole, like, well, we've got a collection of big hits or big blocks or big dunks throughout the course. So it grew, you know, and it became something like that. Um, all those different things have is just ideas where you, I, I think this is the most important things. Like when we started 1450, we were trying to take what had been done to build high school sports coverage up in our community and take it to the next step, bring it into the next generation. You know, I mean, you think of the Tim Schweitzers and the John Levins and the Ruperts and the Canes and the, you know, the all the, like there's been such a lineage of, um, really great high school sports coverage through this town and an appetite for it. And you want to do what you can to advance it, you know? And so bringing it into a digital space was what we thought our responsibility kind of was to advance it. Right. And so DP now, like, um, that the high school fantasy 
football and all that kind of stuff. Like you keep trying to figure out a way to advance it. You can't just keep repeating the same thing over and over. That content gets stale. It gets boring. You got to find new, interesting ways to do it. And that's why I give DP and, and his team so much credit is that, you know, they didn't just say like, we're just going to keep doing things exactly how it's always been done, which I hate. It's always been done this way. Right. <laughs> and so, um, they've, they've, they've grown it and they've made it their own thing. And I encourage that and I want that to happen. So I think that's all of our responsibilities, you know, is that incremental growth, that's where the innovation really is. So you just keep coming up with these new ideas and then you go in the digital space, you go, you test it out and then you can literally watch to see if anybody watches it or not. <laughs> and if they do, you do more of it. And if it flops, well, let's not do that one anymore. You know, I mean, it's, it's really not a super complicated process, but it's just sort of a, a, a thorough, like what's a new idea. Let's try it out. Did it have legs? If yes, then if no, then, and that's, I mean, you just follow that pattern over and over and over again until you, you really have a firm understanding of what works here and what doesn't work here. Yeah. And just to kind of add on to that a little bit in the age of social media. And like you said, when 2010 Facebook was just, Hey, you used to be my friend. Let's see what you were doing. Post a picture on my wall. That's it. Now, I mean, it's grown so much in the last 10 years, obviously, to where now you're posting videos on there of your work, of everything, to where um, it's a platform that you can use um, to not only bring in money, but also highlight the things that we're doing. Um, and in the social media age, everyone's constantly on their phones watching videos on Instagram, watching reels, watching whatever. And so you're like, okay, how can I bring that to what we're doing and make mm -hmm. and and bring it to the channel 1450 platform of oh if somebody's watching somebody do this how can we have a high school kid do that or whatever i mean yep. the the fishing frenzy idea where it's like oh kids are already out fishing let's just and we've always said this if you put a camera in front of a high school kid they're probably going to do something funny or stupid or crazy <laughs> to where uh someone's going to laugh someone's going to watch it and uh it's not like you're just trying to get views trying to get clicks you're trying to highlight kids for what they're doing well. Yeah, for sure. So DP, how did you really get involved with Channel 1450? I saw it as something that was continuing to grow with, when I was working in Taylorville for a newspaper, um, obviously you run into Zach and Brian and Mikey at games and stuff when uh, Taylorville's playing against Glenwood, playing against SHG or whatever. And it's like, oh man, like this is, really cool <laughs> what everybody thought you know you're watching it and you're like man this is something that's really interesting and so um just reach out to zach and i was like hey you know how can i learn to do what you do because i, I didn't want to drive to taylorville for the rest of my life when i was living in springfield um and so it was like okay how can i um continue my career and, and be a part of that and so really just reached out and he said you know you just have to start making video like I didn't have much video experience from college and so I was like just I went and bought a camera and tried to start doing what they were doing tried to emulate it trying to copy what they were doing and then it's like you know putting together a reel and sending it to him and saying hey what do I need to do how do I need to make this better and um really all he said was just be more confident with your voice because mm -hmm. you're terrified of hearing yourself mm -hmm. for the first I don't know. I'm, I still hate listening to myself, but, um, it's just having that confidence and being able to, you know, what you're watching, you just have to be able to project that and, and tell people about it. Uh, I gotta say, I remember meeting with Derek at the Dublin pub, uh, for an interview when we were talking about him joining 1450. And, uh, the thing that I could tell about Derek is this intangible 
that um, is so necessary to have someone. And I knew that my time at 1450 wouldn't be forever. And so, you know, we had built this thing and, and Brian was gone at this point. And what I wanted to do was find uh, someone who I thought had the chance to carry it on for a long time and to take it to the next level and to, to, to be a predecessor, a succession plan of sorts, you know. And Derek just had this commitment to the game, man. Um, like his hustle is nonstop and it's, it's something I really admire about him. And so um, he didn't have that sort of traditional experience of like television broadcast, you know, play by play kind of stuff or anything like that. But he had this commitment to it and this willingness to learn and get after it and a commitment to the kids and a real respect for like um, what it's about. Right. Like we always like he talks about trying to like do what's right by the kid and show the show the kids that are doing good things. And I saw that in all of his work. And I was like, he's got all the intangibles. We can teach him how to do the video stuff. And um, now he's great at that stuff, you know, and has really developed. Um, but it's that commitment to it and the willingness to do it the right way. Uh, we had a very specific way that we wanted to do it, you know. Um, and he just got it. He, I didn't even have to teach him that part. He just totally understood that. And he understood the community. And he's so good at connecting with the kids um, that I was like, this is this is someone who, who I think has long legs here. And so... Um, when he reached out, I was I was excited about that potential and um, was maybe the best decision that I ever made as a part of 1450. <laughs> no, I think, too, I mean, just to add on that a little bit, the, the fact that, I mean, nobody wanted Brian to leave. That was <laughs> scary for both of us because it was like, oh, you know, I'm coming in and I'm going to learn from these two. Um, and then Brian leaves the first week I'm there. And it, mm -hmm. it was like, oh, man, what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. But the fact that Chase came in the same time I did um, with – two totally different backgrounds. Like he was excellent on TV, excellent in front of the screen and wanted to be in front of the screen. Um, and so it but was, he didn't know if it was Athens or Athens. Yeah. Like he didn't know anything about yeah. the local community. No, true. You know? But so it, it was also, it complemented each other. Well. It was, there wasn't a hierarchy. It was like, okay, you two are both here. Um, it was a competition for both of us to be like, okay, you're not going to outwork me. You're not going to do more things. You're not going to mm. have more ideas. And so it was like us to just, working our butts off um, and then at the end of the day sitting down having a few drinks and figuring out what we did right what we did wrong and how we can keep doing it I mean I was scared when Brian left right like how <laughs> does this thing continue uh, he had such a reputation he had such a um, uh, he had such a flair for being on camera and creating entertaining content you know um, and that uh, I think the fear of failure and I think that these guys felt it too like we all sort of like felt the pressure on us that like how are we going to be the group that takes it to the next level, that advancement piece, right? Our numbers, we blew out the numbers, um, the highest numbers we'd ever done with Brian the year after because of that drive that we had to be like, we're going to make this our thing. And since I've left Derek and, you know, everybody, they've blown the numbers out of anything that we ever did while I was there because of the exact same thing. You know, it's all about that. What's, what's the next level? And, um, you know, that's the intangible I'm talking about with Derek. He, he always understood that there's like, you got to push for what the next thing is and how to keep this thing relevant and how to keep this thing rolling. And um, not everybody gets that. And he always understood that intuitively. And uh, I always knew that it would be in good hands if, if I ever decided to go on to the next thing. And, and sure enough, it's been in great hands. And I think it was a, a quality quantity thing too when you and Brian did it and then you had a third person to make sure that you got to as much stuff as you could. It was like, okay, when Zach and Brian come to a game, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get incredible coverage a huge package of not only video but interviews and just that personality of featuring that game um so when chase and i started you maybe didn't get the quality coverage but we 
we're going to go to a game every single night, if not two games, to, to get that practice in, to get that work in. So it started to be more quantity, and then when Zach showed up, it's quality. So it's like, okay, Derek and Chase are, are just trying to get there. And then once we were got comfortable a couple years in, it was like, okay, now you can move that quality side of things, and now we're covering more things, and now people expect us to be everywhere and do everything. Yeah. And um, we'll just go ahead. I'm sorry, Seth, you brought in two guys. You talk on a microphone, so you, you may not get any more questions in. But I, I will say this, Seth, I think that that is why you are in such a good position moving forward is because that intuitive piece, that, that natural instinct to understand what this is about is something that you get. And you have more reps as a play-by-play guy right now in your career than I do ever have had yeah. I mean from an actual play-by-play standpoint I never got anywhere close to that right we did the post stuff so we'd go out and record it afterwards there are there are uh, there are people who go through their entire college career and come out trying to get a job in professional play-by-play sports that never got the reps that you've got already under your belt yeah we've seen the reels people send us you know yep I mean look I'm telling you man you um, it's the reason you're gonna have success and it's the reason that like you're gonna go to college and you're gonna be heads and tails above um, uh, everybody else in experience. And if you keep up with the drive and the passion and doing it for the right reasons and stuff like that, um, you're already going to be so advanced from them that you're going to be a great, a great option for a high level school or maybe eventually a, a professional team to be a play by play guy. And that's the hustle that we admire and respect in this game. It's the reason we're excited. Like when you reached out to us about coming out <laughs> here and doing this, we're like, let's go do this thing for sure. Um, because we see you and us and, um, there's a, there's definitely something um, about that that um, we get excited about and want to help make sure that that there's a, a, a pathway there, uh, whatever grooming process or mentor process is available because somebody helped us, you yeah. know, and um, uh, you're going to be a great one, man. So I hope people from Williams will know <laughs> what they got right now because you're going to be a great one. You talk about that knowledge and that experience of not only, you know, him working with us, him working with Tim Schweitzer, Jim Rupert, uh, John Levin, those guys. But I, we already saw it with um, Leanna coming out of Williamsville. When she mm-hmm. came on to intern with, I mean, she reached out to you and said, hey, you know, I don't expect to get paid. I don't expect anything. I just want to be around it and learn. And then it honestly helped her already in college where she was getting to skip courses because she was like, I already know how to do all this stuff. I can show I can show these kids how to do it. I can show the teacher mm-hmm. how we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and she honestly got to like skip out on some classes because just being around us and learn like just Qualified. being around it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you do the reps, you get the you get the knowledge and that's more valuable than anything you can read out of a book or I mean, do kids read books anymore? Or do they just watch YouTube videos yeah, or whatever? Right. I don't know. But it's super applicable to like anything in life too. Is that like if you if you're into something and you want to go get after it, like it's on you, right? Like um, I always got frustrated. Like we moved to a position where interns were, there was like this gray area where it used to. I, when I was in school, I interned all these places for free. I drove to Channel Twenty three days a week, not making any money to get the experience to get the reps with Brian. That's how Brian and I got to know one another. And then I get to the point where you have to like pay interns so you don't take advantage of them. And I get that there are situations where that's the case where people <clears throat> just bleed interns and it's just like make intern work be labor work or whatever but man the kind of experience that you get from doing intern work is irreplaceable and it gives you a network and an opportunity to know people like if you want to go out and be proactive and trying to get that experience and you know put yourself in a position to succeed in something that you know you want to do i mean 
you know, that's that's what internship should be all about. And and anyway, Seth, you put yourself in a great position for all of that. And you, you, you the 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 model, you're the you're the model for that kind of stuff. And so, um, I'm excited to see what you do next. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you guys coming on today. Uh, this really all started one night. It was about 10:30, maybe 11 p.m. And I was walking around the house because I just gotten done with homework, and I think maybe we had like a remote Monday the next day, so could just sleep till late 15, get up and log on to my class. And I picked up my dad's phone and I uh, found uh, DP's number in it and I sent it to myself because I thought, you know, everything was starting to return. I knew that channel 1450 coming off of all the COVID stuff might be short on workers and send him a text, saw if I could uh, maybe become an intern. And you've been great. And I thank you for everything that you've taught me. And then that's definitely grown the coverage that I do here for Williamsville. So I'm just really appreciative of everything that you've done for me. And uh, I hope that I can keep working and keep making you proud. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Um, it's like when you reached out, it's it's a no brainer because not only I mean, Zach can attest to this more than I can, but um, every Williamsville game that you're at, Zach would <laughs> have you on camera or you'd be on there after the football games giving those speeches. And it's like, OK, if you put Seth on, people are going to watch it. No doubt. <laughs> And then it's like, okay, you know, uh, obviously you have the, the passion and the knowledge. And so um, just getting that experience, I think, is key. And like you talked about the networking aspect of it. Like once you're going out and shooting these games, you're meeting coaches, you're meeting parents, you're meeting um, people, officials, umpires, whoever, to where, I mean, you never know when you're going to need help or need something from anyone down the line. And when they see that you're out there working, you're out there doing the doing the things with us, it's like, okay, you know, that he's putting in the work. So I think the biggest thing is you continue to put in the work, continue to do the things, and it, it's going to pay off for you. Yeah, I've certainly had a great time doing everything, learning, uh, growing uh, throughout uh, my experiences. Really learning to edit video and film has gone gone a long way to what we do here in Williamsville, to what I've been able to do with you guys. But just to shift the conversation over a little bit what are some memories that stand out to you from working at channel 1450 from covering all of these local athletes oh man how much time do we have mm. <laughs> um the memories that you remember the most are, are the ones that you build the relationships with the coaches and the players yeah. and then when they reach out 10 years down the, or five years down the line not 10 years yet but five years down the line and say man i don't think people understood um what that meant to us at the time or how much we appreciated it. And um, just a story that comes to mind is, you know, when players careers end and we're getting to that time of year where it's, it sucks. You have to put a, you have to talk to somebody after they lost and they'll never, you know, maybe they'll never play baseball again. They'll never play football again. They'll never put that helmet on again. And then you, you want to talk to them and capture that moment. But at the same time, it's hard to be sensitive about, you have to be sensitive because they're very emotional in that spot. But then um, two months later, three months later, they'll reach out and be like, thank you for interviewing me because now I have that. And I will remember that memory. Uh, the one that stands out like to me is when you interview Cole Greer after they lose that heartbreaker, it's like, man, you know, that's, that's something that you can't get that passion or that, um, that content anywhere else really. Yeah. I'm not just saying this cause we're sitting at Williamsville and I'm not just saying it cause because he's your dad, but your dad, Aaron, is a, is a good friend of mine. And um, the loss in 14, 14? 14. Yeah. In the state championship game 
was um, like, you know, you spent an entire, it wasn't just a season that I had spent covering the bullets trying to get to that point. It was seasons that I had spent. Like that year, I remember DP and Chase were like, well, Zach's just going to cover all the bullets postseason games because we knew that that was a year that there was a chance to get the state championship game, you know. And I just wanted to be there for the journey because I, like, I kind of felt like your dad and I, um, he had gotten started and, and I had gotten started. But then as our career started, it was 14 that he took off and, and bullets football kind of like became um, really like started to peak, you know. Our circles just crossed a lot because we were – I was in that space and he was obviously in that space. And so um, – I was, it was sort of like a coming of age experience together um, into that sort of like that part of our career where things were, were going well. Um, and I was just attached to it and I just cared about it. And I really wanted him to have success because he did it the right way. He went about it the right way. He was a good coach. He was a good person. Um, and he had developed everything the right way. And um, I wanted to see that be rewarded, you know. And I was invested. And I was heartbroken the night that you guys lost that game, you know, and not as heartbroken as him or the kids or anything like that. I remember Alec Dakin and those guys like weeping afterwards and your dad consoling them and hugging them. And I've got it on the video and you see your dad in the elevator. I've talked to him about this when he rides it up to go to the interviews after that game. And he he finally puts his head in his hands and was like the first moment where he had the chance to like deal with his sadness about having lost that game because he was so busy trying to console all the kids first. Right. And I remembered that moment and I, I remember reaching out to him before the championship game up at Northern when when you guys beat Byron. And I went to that game, and I was the craziest fan. <laughs> and I, I mean, I wasn't in 14 anymore, but you should have heard me in the stands, like, talk to Beard about it sometime because I was with him. I was crazy. Like, I wanted it so badly for them, you know. And so I think the memories are that is what DP said. You build these relationships with people, and you care about them, and you see that they, you know, the mission is to help kids become men or women and better people and um uh, the commitment to that is is intense and um it's years long and decades long now and so to 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 see the fruition of that to see a championship game to see the relief and the excitement and to feel it also that's a connection with your a community and the people in that community that like is just born in the trenches over the course of time because you've been through things together and then finally got there, you know? And you just can't, you can't manufacture that. It just happens and you're just a part of the ride or you're not. And um, so the memories for me are the, the ones that, that took a while, that were tough, that were, um, where people stuck with it and really got there. And um, you know, that, that Williamsville State title and that in- entire journey was um, maybe as emblematic as any for me. Neither. Zach or I have spent a single second working out in the Petersburg or Porta wrestling room. <laughs> but I can tell you for certain that anytime Zach or I see Trey held for the rest of our lives, it's a special memory that we will never forget. And I will never forget Zach and I going to eat yep. lunch before the night of his state championship, his senior year, mm-hmm. when the, the, the amount of pressure, the story that that was, I mean, you could write a movie. You could. It's. It was incredible. Um, that's one of those talk about memories and stories that you'll never forget. Zach and I were so nervous that whole day, and we didn't even do anything but hold a camera. Right. <laughs> and to watch him and finally get that state championship after being second three years in a row, mm-hmm. and what he went through, especially his junior year, forty nine and zero going into the state championship, just I mean, kind of like that those full circle stories of 
we're getting the opportunity to tell those stories is just incredible. And you know, if, if I ever see Trey out and about, or if he ever sees us, there's like, there's this immediate connection there, right? Because we were, we were there in it with him for that and had been in it with him for years. And we were nervous. We were nervous that day. We were, um, we went to eat, but we couldn't hardly eat. Yeah. Like, it was like, legit. what happens if he doesn't win this title today? Like, and I, what I was concerned about was the kid. Like I wanted him, I wanted him to get it so badly because he deserved it. You know, he was, but he had to do it. He had to, he had, to, and it was like against a true arch rival. Oh that my gosh. Year too. Um, it was like such a great story. And the, the victory in the end of it, man, was just such a sweet, that's a great example too. of One of those is just like, it's the journey and then finally getting there, which are the sweetest ones. You know, some, t- some people went on like crazy runs and just ended up in a spot. You're like, how did that happen? Yeah. You know, and, and those are fun, but it, it's not as rewarding as the ones that you spent years trying to chase and really pursue and then finally get there. The moments of not only those elation moments of winning state titles or doing that, but um, when you see the relationship and the trust uh, to me, going back to, um, the unfortunate circumstance of losing Liz Leonard. And then when Derek and Ken were so open and honest with us, and I mean, it's hard enough to watch people cry, but when you're filming them do it, it's awful. You, you don't want to do that. But at the same time, to be able to tell that story and share um, her faith, her, her, just how strong she was, um, that's one of those videos that, I mean, we'll never forget and we'll be, a channel 1450 video that is in the top 10, five of whatever to where, I mean, that's not something that you normally think about in terms of mm-hmm. memories or happy, but that's something that impacted me impacted so many different people. And I think, you know, what you just kind of talked about kind of proves a great point about channel 1450. It's not just the sports. It's not just highlights. It's really going out. It's really connecting with the community, seeing, uh, seeing how uh, people have been affected and kind of telling the story of the community in the way that you'd love to see it be told. So uh, we're kind of nearing towards the end of this little resource period I have here to film <laughs> this. But Sorry, we could talk for a long time. Yep. Oh, I've got, I've got no <laughs> problem with it at all. I'm having a great time. I've just got two more questions, one for each of you. Uh, you kind of talked about earlier in this one when you were starting to move towards your end of the time of 1450 for you. Uh, what was that process like? What was it like kind of moving on, figuring out how you were going to give it off to DP or anyone else that was there? What was that like for you? Yeah, I knew DP could handle it moving forward. And so the, the uh, succession of... 1450 was never in doubt for me. I always knew that he had what it took to take it and take it to the next level. Um, I think that um, for me, you know, I, I had a young daughter. I had another one that was coming on the way. Um, and so I I was just, um, I was at a point in my career where, um, you know, I felt like I felt like I had done all I could do with 1450. I felt like I was sort of running low on ideas of how to keep it creative. And at some point in time, like I didn't want it to become stale because I had gotten stale with it, you know. So at some point in time, you have to give somebody else the opportunity to take it and go to the next level with it, right? 
I had sort of maxed out what my capability was there. And it needed new thought. It needed new idea. It needed new uh, leadership. And so uh, I felt so confident in the fact that if, if uh, Derek got that opportunity, that he would do the right things with it. And, um, you know, I think that's an important thing for as I'm getting older. I'm 37 going on 38 now. So I've been through a couple stops in my career. You know, you, you start to realize that there are, you know, there, there are uh, natural ends to things. You know, there is a time where it's time to do something else. There's time when it's uh, a great thing has been a great thing, but there's time for a new challenge or a new opportunity. And, um, and I was ready for that. And I think 1450 was ready for it. And I knew that Derek was ready for it. And so I don't know about that, <laughs> you, but you were, but like you never, re- and that's a good point too, though, but you never really know. No. And you you're either, not going to take that jump until you have to, because yeah, yeah. you're scared of it. Yeah. And, but then you either rise to the challenge or you, you run from it. And you know, that's running from the challenge wasn't in your DNA. And I knew that. I so. can't run very far. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, I knew it would be in great hands and I was, um, it was time for me to go and, you know, look, it's been, it's, it's only further progressed, uh, so many other levels than from what I ever could have taken it. So my final question for you, DP, you were here, you know, 1450 was a machine that was running smoothly. You guys had a great, uh, following and then, you know, everything happened with COVID. What was it like trying to find ideas while you were sitting at home, not being able to go to any sports. Terrifying. Hmm. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. Because um, not only do you, I, I mean, I spend more time with, I spent more time at that time with Jared and Justin than I almost did with anyone else um, outside of maybe my wife. But uh, so to have to tell them that they don't have a job and me being like, well, I have a job, but what am I going to do with, like you said, there's no sports happening. There's nothing happening. Um, so it's just a matter of, you know, thank God for the relationships that Zach and I built because it's like, okay, I can call Seth, your dad and say, Hey, do you want to just talk football or do you want to sit down and, um, look at an old video? And that's kind of how the idea of live rewind came about was, Hey, let's watch this video. Shoot. I'll put a camera on you and we'll get your reaction to stuff. Cause it's like, let's see. I mean, just the just coming up with ways to produce content, um, that was the idea. Once I kind of realized that we were going to be shut down for a while, it was like, can I provide five minutes of any sort of content every single day to not only keep myself busy, but keep people's minds off of the terrifying fact that who knows what's going to happen with, <laughs> with the, the world. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, if, if I could do five minutes, ten minutes of, a coach talk. I mean, we have so many great coaches around here to where if I could just do five minutes of them talking about some game or something going on, that's kind of where the idea came from. And it was, and it kind of grew from there. Then it's like, okay, kids are always on their phones or have their phones on them. Let's just record them talking about what they're doing or what's going on. And so let's have them send videos to me. That way I don't have, you don't have to interact. And so the quarantine questions, stuff like that, it was like, we'll just find ways to produce content and keep this thing going. And I'll just say this. We talked about innovation a couple of times. Necessity is the queen of all invention. And you, it was necessary for DP to come up with new ways to create compelling content at that time. And we talk about rising to the challenge. He rose to the challenge. And now, you know, Live Rewind is something that lives beyond um, the uh, the pandemic, you know, yeah. lives beyond COVID time. It's, and it's great content. It's a great chance to get those kids in those moments you were talking about when it's heartbreak or ecstasy and to go back and get um, – get reflection from them mm-hmm. now that time has passed. And I think that that's valuable for other kids and other coaches to see also is that like that, that ecstasy or the devastation that you're feeling in that moment, 
that's a that's a moment in your life. It doesn't define your life. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, I think that that's been one of the cool things to see come out of the live rewind and that that type of content is that, um, you know, it's you ask Seth, how do you come up with big nasties? How do you come up with this or that? Like you it, you, out of necessity, you come up with new ideas. And that's a perfect example. Like you said, just try things. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Mic'd up, stuff like that where, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it may take more time, but it, is it more valuable content? Or, mm-hmm. you know, when can you work on it? If you have an off day or if you have a snow day or a rainy day, you still need to do something. You still need to produce something to put out there. So, you know, like you said, it's just a necessity. And then see what works, what doesn't. Some things <laughs> didn't work. Some, you know, it's just it's just how it was. Mm. Now, you guys talk about the live rewind. Of course, all of them are special. You're bringing in that athlete, that coach. They're reviewing something that, you know, was a big moment for them. What are some of those that stand out to you? Um, well, just being here and <laughs> talking with Zach, the the 100th one that we did was Zach and your dad, Seth, watching that 14th state championship again. And I don't. I can't even remember. I think it was like an hour and a half long that we sat there and recorded stuff and it could have been longer um, just because once you get people in that situation and they're remembering those things, the time, there is no time. You just go. Uh, I, don't, I don't even remember how long that was, but for you, Zach, that had to be, I mean, we talked about it. Do we want to do a game that you won or lost, but that was a game that built your relationship so, so well. Yeah, that um, it, all kinds of memories flowed back, and you know, Aaron and I had never had a chance to like really truly go through that game like that because I think it was painful. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it sort of forced us to. It was several years later, and um, so it was um, it sort of uh, galvanized. I think some of the memories that we had there, and and definitely uh, you know sort of cemented them for us in a way that I'm glad that we did that. Getting the chance to rewatch the Rochester Altoff game, which was Zach's greatest work of all time. Uh, he stayed up all night to to do that, but um, that, that I mean, that kind of put fourteen fifty in another realm of this is what we're capable of. This is what I, I'm not capable of it, but Zach was capable of it. Um, just to be able to do that, that's one where I mean, Derek came in and watched that, and I think people loved watching that. Well, guys, I uh, thank you for coming on today. Uh, I'm excited to see what 1450 has in store for the future. I thank you for everything that you've built here and giving me a way to uh, kind of build my platform. So uh, thanks for coming on, and hopefully we'll get to have you on again sometime. Thank you. Keep it rolling, Seth. Just got done with the uh, great interview with Zach Kirker and Derek Paris. Definitely a lot of insight there but now we turn to our second interview our second of three interviews for the day um we are joined by grayson robley grayson how are you doing today i'm good you know earlier in the season you came on and we talked about you know possible postseason for this girls soccer team and you said that you felt that if this soccer team could win a regional uh wouldn't just go far for you as a senior but also for the future of this program how was yesterday's win kind of a reflection of what you said? Um, I think we were all able to work very well together to get the win yesterday. And I think it's going to give the younger girls on the team a boost of confidence going into like the future seasons and everything. And I think this victory like uh, progression can keep going and moving on. So, 
So you've scored 11 goals so far in the postseason. What's the plan to kind of keep that rolling? Um, I think if we all just keep up the effort and we're able to connect well, and if I can run onto balls like I have been, I think we'll be fine. So coming into the postseason, you were uh, six goals shy of tying the uh, career goal record at 141. You broke the career goal record in the regional semifinal, scoring seven. Putting your total at 142, what has the journey looked like getting you to uh, that that big moment? Well, I've had a lot of like different teammates, obviously, with the four years that I've played um, high school. And our second year was completely cut off because of COVID, and then we had a shortened season my junior year. But I think it's taken like a lot of hard work, not just from me, but also from my teammates to help me get to that point. So we talk about your uh, big moments on offense, but the defense, they've yet to allow a goal so far through this postseason. How nice is it? You know, you've got a great goalie in uh, Lillian Johns and you've got some senior leadership on defense. Uh, Olivia Fandel, to uh, name one of them. What's it like knowing that you can really focus on that offensive side and you have trust in a defense to really back you up. Yeah, it's a lot of relief. Like, it takes off a lot of pressure off of, I think, the offensive side shoulders because we know we can rely on Lily and Olivia, like you said, and the other defenders back there to keep others from scoring. So, yeah, it's a lot of pressure off of us. Moving into the next game, you head to Warrensburg-Latham on Tuesday to take on Normal U High. Uh, normally you high a CS8 opponent. Uh, they see a lot of good competition throughout the year, but of course we've seen a lot of good competition throughout the year. What's kind of the feel around the team headed into Tuesday? Um, I think we're all really excited uh, to keep like being able to play together and go farther in postseason. And I think that we're all just very like happy to be able to play together again and that our season hasn't been cut off. But I also think that we're all trying to get focused because we know that it's going to be a hard match. And if we all play 100%, then I think we'll have a really good chance of continuing to move on through postseason. So two weeks left of uh, high school. What are the college plans looking like so far? Have you given much thought to that? Um, I'm going to attend ISU and major in biology. I'm looking to be a pediatrician and go to medical school after, so... All right. Well, glad to hear that. Thank you for stopping in for this quick interview, and good luck on Tuesday. Folks, head to Warrensburg Latham. Got to buy the tickets online. We'll put a link to that in the description of this podcast. But, uh, you know, we want to see you out there. Hopefully the Lady Bullets can get the win and keep this season rolling. Thank you very much. Moving into the review and uh, future outlook of sports portion of this week's show, you've listened to two interviews. Originally, we planned to release three interviews this week, but the Billy Peterman interview will move to next week. We just saw that the time on this episode was getting up there, and, you know, we want everybody to stick through each episode, and we understand that, you know, some of the longer episodes, not everybody has around an hour to uh, set aside to listen to a podcast, so... We talked to Billy. We've opted to move his interview into next week's episode. Um, A little bit of a audio issue on that one is I kind of sound far away from my microphone. We're not sure what the issue was there, but it was still a great interview. So I'll kind of work on my audio uh, through that for this one. You can hear Billy great, and it really was an amazing interview. So just make sure that you tune in next week when we talk to 
Billy Peterman. Like I said, right now we will move into the weekly review and the weekly preview for these Williamsville sporting teams. It's official every regular season that we will see this year is over. Um, Softball wrapped up their regular season with a win over Glenwood. We'll talk on that later. And in a doubleheader, I believe the baseball team split one and one against a very good Tuatopolis team. So that gives a lot of hope to these teams headed into the postseason. But right now we are going to start looking at the girls soccer postseason. The girls team, they won two games and they won a regional this week. You know, you go back a couple weeks ago, Grayson Robley, she talked about winning a regional and how big that would be. Uh, We talked to Olivia Fandel, winning a regional would be big for her just because, you know, she grew up looking at that program, so definitely a big moment for her. But, you know, let's talk about how they did it. The opening game, they win 8-0 against Champaign-Judah-Christian. Now, that was a game that it kind of opened. Grayson Robley was able to get it up the field. She got some good shots on the goal, but they just weren't going in at first. But later on, of course, she opened it up. She scored seven goals in that game, broke the career goals record, as the Bullets won 8-0 in that one to advance to the regional championship. Um, They were going to either play Athens or St. Thomas More. St. Thomas More did end up beating Athens. Uh, Had to go to penalty kicks for that one. Just a great soccer game all around. But then, you know, you head into Saturday. Uh, You don't really know how to feel about Saturday. You look at the season. The Williamsville Bullets had beat Athens twice, 3-0 and then 1-0. And then to play a team like Champagne St. Thomas More, who you knew improved because earlier in the season, the Lady Bullets beat Champagne St. Thomas More 6-0. to And then to see them go head-to-head, really toe-to-toe, and then beat a uh, rival that had really given the Bullets two great looks this season, you know, it wasn't a no-doubter headed in the regional championship. And the regional championship should never be a no-doubter. And, you know, the Williamsville Lady Bullets, they played some great soccer. One question that was uh, through the Champaign-Judah-Christian game to the Champaign-St. Thomas-Moore game was we knew Grayson Robley could score, but it seemed like Mirabli wanted to really get in close to the goal against Champaign-Judah-Christian. So the question was, if Mirabli could not get right up next to the goal, would she be able to score from range? And she definitely was able to score from range. The first goal was a kick from Olivia Fandel. It was a great kick to set up Mirabli. Mirabli flicked it high off of her foot, and then it just dropped into the goal behind the St. Thomas More goalie. Then later on, Mirabli dribbled around some St. Thomas More defenders, and she delivered a strike that went right off of the uh, St. Thomas More goalie's hands back into the net, and then, you know, there were only two goals scored in the first half against St. Thomas More, and there were two goals scored early, so it really made you wonder, would the two goals be all that came for the Williamsville Bullets, and would the defense be able to stand? And Lillian John, she had an amazing game in the goal. Uh, She had some help from the rest of her defense, but it felt like anything that was sent towards the goal was brought in by Lillian Johns, and she made some good hustle play. She came out of the box, way in front of the net a couple times to corral some shots. Uh, One play I remember, a ball gets sent towards the goal. She's able to block it down, and she jumps and recovers it. She got her hand stepped on, and she was a little slow to get up. She had to redo her uh, goalie gloves, but 
she was good for the rest of the game as this Williamsville Lady Bullets defense for this soccer team, they have yet to allow a goal in postseason play. And, you know, they're going to have to keep on going just as strong as they take on Normal U High on Tuesday. Now, looking at Normal U High, through the regular season, they put up an 11-6 record, 5-2 in the Central State 8 with losses to SHG and Springfield and Glenwood. So they lost to very respectable teams in the CS8. Williamsville played SHG to round out their season. Uh, they lost that game 5-0. So this is a game that maybe the Lady Bullets aren't necessarily favored going into, but I think that if things keep going the way this team's been playing good soccer recently, the defense is working well, the offense is definitely working well. The only concern with me about this uh, Lady Bullets soccer team moving forward is, while I love what Grayson Robley is doing, she's a great leader, she's a great player, she's always the first to talk about what the team is doing to help her. My only concern is that if a team kind of locks in on her, much like we saw Beardstown lock in on Cam Fry in the regional uh, for boys soccer is, will the offense come from as many places? We know that Laura Romance can score. We saw Claire Carter score. Unfortunately, Carter is out for the rest of the season. As we talked about last week, she has a uh, ACL injury, and we're wishing her uh, the best in her recovery. So, you know, you look to Laura Romance. Uh, she's a senior. Uh, we've seen her score throughout the course of the season, but I'd also like to see some other offensive contributions. I know that just in the last couple of games, it seems like Delaney Noonan is right there. She's getting towards the net. And a couple of times, it looks like she might have had the way to the goal, but you know, it just kind of closed up on her. So I think that moving forward, while Grayson Robley is still going to score for this Williamsville Lady Bullets team, and while she's done a great job leading this team, I think it would be great to see a couple more members of this Lady Bullets soccer team really get involved on that offensive end because more people that you have rolling on the offensive end, the harder it is to stop your team. And I think that we're still going to see the same thing from this Lady Bullets defense. They've played great throughout the postseason, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. If the Lady Bullets beat Normal U High, they advance to the sectional championship. That will be held Friday the 20th in Warrensburg at Warrensburg Latham at 4 p.m. They play the winner of Bloomington Central Catholic and Decatur St. Teresa. Williamsville has played both of those teams this season. They beat Decatur St. Teresa 8-4 back in March, and then they lost to Bloomington Central Catholic by a score of three to one. That was on April 5th. So played these teams a while ago. As we know, a lot can change on the sports scene uh, in a month or two. So it could be interesting to see how that other game plays out. Seems like those two teams uh, could be pretty evenly matched, should be a pretty good game. But of course, Williamsville has to take care of business and beat Normal U High on Tuesday. As I mentioned, you do have to buy those tickets online. We will find that link and we will put it in the description below. We would love to see you guys travel out there because as we've talked about, crowd can become a factor, especially in these later postseason games. So go on out, get a ticket, and head on over to Warrensburg on Tuesday. That game will be played at 4 p.m. We would love to see you guys out there. But those are the only two games that we can really forecast 
for this uh, girls' soccer team. So at this time, we will move from girls' soccer over to softball. The Williamsville Lady Bullets softball team has won six straight games. On this little run that they are on, they have beaten New Berlin, Nokomis, Meridian, Porta, Warrensburg Latham, and then Glenwood. Uh, they beat Glenwood on Friday to round out their season, so they end the season with a 14-11 and record. So good on them to win six straight, uh, get above that 500 line, and end the year with a winning record. I really want to dive into the Chatham game. I was there. I was at the Chatham game. The plan was to broadcast that game. The equipment did not quite cooperate that night, so I ended up just being able to sit back and watch a softball game. And I'm going to be completely honest. It's been a while since I've just been able to sit back and watch a game. It was kind of nice, except I didn't really feel like I was doing anything. But that's all right, because I got to watch quite the softball game. Now, going into that game, the Williamsville Bullets, they're sitting in a 13-11 record. They're going up against a very good uh, Glenwood team. Glenwood won the Central State 8. They beat SHG. They beat Normal U High. They beat all of that top tier of competition in the CSA. And, you know, you felt like Williamsville, they could have a chance. They didn't get to play SHG earlier in the season, but we did watch them beat normal U high they beat them by a pretty good amount so going into that game you didn't know quite how to feel you heard about how good this Glenwood team is and they were a very good softball team they hit well um, through those first couple innings before the bats really got going on each side it seemed like their defense was going to be shut down pretty much the entire night but as I said eventually the bats did get rolling on each side Williamsville started with Hattie Bond in that game Hattie Bonds pitched phenomenally all season. It's been really fun to watch her work. Just to give you a look into really what Hattie Bond has meant to this softball team this year, 123 and two-thirds innings pitched across 22 games. Uh, the Williamsville Bullets have played 25 games this season. She started 17 with a 10-9 record. She's gotten one save and one save opportunity. Um... She's allowed 115 hits, 68 runs. Only 49 of those runs are earned. She's walked 49. She struck out 136. She's got a 2.774 ERA and a whip of 1.326. So she's just had an amazing year this year, and it was really fun to watch her work in the regular season, and I'm sure we're going to get to see her again in the postseason as that starts up for the Williamsville Lady Bullets on Wednesday at home against Carlinville. But before we get into any of that, we're going to take some time to review this Glenwood softball game. Now you enter the Glenwood game, as I talked about, you know, a lot of hype, a lot of earned hype surrounding this Glenwood softball team. They were a very good team. You know, you open that game, bullets go down one, two, three, and then real quick, Glenwood jumped on top. They jumped on top 4-0. And, you know, talking to uh, Coach Steve Dennis after the game, Coach Dennis did say that he was a little frustrated after the first inning, but just because, you know, they'd played really good softball recently. And his message to the team was, you know, look, you don't have to get it all back at once. You just got to chip away at it. And, you know, the Bullets were once again held scoreless in the top of the second inning. But what was big in what, you know, kind of changed the entire mood of the night is that the Lady Bullets did hold the Glenwood Titans scoreless in the bottom of the second inning. And 
you know, you knew that the defense from that second and you knew that the defense could step up. The only question is, could the offense really get rolling against this Glenwood team? And the pitching looked great for uh, Glenwood. They started Tatum Trotter. Entering that game, Tatum Trotter had a stat line of 69 and a third innings pitched across 19 games. 12 games started with a 10-3 record, allowing 56 hits, 33 runs, 22 earned runs. She'd walked 11 and struck out 87. She had an ERA of 2.221 and a whip of under one at 0.966. So definitely, you know, you go into that third inning, they've been held scoreless for the first two you got the sense that something big kind of needed to happen in that spot. And something big did happen in that spot. The Lady Bullets put a five up on the board that inning. Nicole Sinks ended up bringing in a run. Miranda File brought in two runs, and then Riley Holiday ended up bringing in two runs. And just like that, the Williamsville Bullets were up five to four in this game. Then you go moving forward into the Bottom of the third, Glenwood was able to tie it up. They were able to put one up on the board. So, you know, you head into the fourth inning, 5-5. Five to five. Uh, Williamsville jumped back into the lead. And then, you know, it was kind of back and forth the rest of the way. The bottom of the fourth, then Glenwood ties it again. You head into the top of the fifth. The Williamsville Bullets take a two-run lead. And then, you know, you're right back tied up in the bottom of the fifth. And then Glenwood even takes the lead in the bottom of the fifth. They led 10-9. to nine heading into the sixth, and it felt like one of the teams just needed to have a shutdown inning on defense because the offenses were working just fine going against each other. If one team could have a shutdown inning on defense, you felt pretty good about that team going forward. And it looked like Glenwood might have the uh, big defensive inning that they were looking for in the top of the sixth. Williamsville did open that inning. They got two runners on base via a double in an air. So you start out that top of the sixth. The Bullets have runners on first and second with nobody out, but Glenwood, they remained calm. Claire Black at that point was pitching for Glenwood. She was able to strike out Riley Holiday, and then she was able to throw a pitch that led Lindsey Law to ground out to first base. So it was looking very likely that Glenwood was going to be able to get out of the jam. It was then that Izzy Nowak stepped to the plate. Now, Izzy Nowak subbed in for hitter Hope Keenan. Uh, Izzy Nowak swung at the first pitch. That was strike one. Then she watched strike two go by, but she did a good job of fouling off the 0-2. So the Bullets were one strike away from ending the inning scoreless, uh, going into the bottom of the six down, 10-9, to which, of course, you know, that isn't the end of the game. If you go down into the bottom of the six, 10-9, you still got a good chance to win. The only concern would have been that Glenwood's offense was going along really well at this point. But the Bullets, they wouldn't exit the inning squirrels. Izzy Nowak stepped back into the box. She saw the next pitch very well. She hit it, and you know, from the sound of the bat, you could tell that that one was going to be gone. She sent a shot over, I believe, the left center field fence to give the Bullets a 12-10 to lead. The next batter would uh, get out and end the top of the six, but Williamsville, they'd done what they needed to do. They put three runs up on the board. They reclaimed the lead, and they gave the Williamsville Lady Bullet defense a little bit of cushion. Now, at this point in the game, Miranda File was pitching for the Williamsville Lady Bullets. She went in after a ball went off of Hattie Bond's shin. Uh, definitely kind of a scarier moment in a game when a ball gets sent back to the pitcher and it uh, takes a bounce off of him, but 
Bond was okay. She is going to be all right for postseason play. But File went out and she had a good day in the circle. Uh, she saw a very good team. And, you know, hopefully we start to see Bond and File maybe kind of switch off into the circle because, as I've said, Hattie Bond's done great this season. But as you go into the postseason, you're going to want two options to go in and pitch for your team. So hopefully Miranda File and Hattie Bond can be kind of that one-two punch that the Williamsville Lady Bullets need from the circle. But back to the uh, Glenwood game, just kind of breaking that down, the bottom of the sixth looked like it was going to be a big inning for the Glenwood offense. They get the first two runners on base, one via a single, one via double. So two runners in scoring position, that's going to erase the deficit right there. And then the next batter, the Williamsville Lady Bullets, were able to get out via a ground out, but one run did score to make it 12-11. to And then the next batter up singled, and suddenly it was 12-12. to But the Williamsville Lady Bullet defense, they did a good job of getting out of the inning. They got the next two batters out, one via the pop out and one via a ground out. And then they went right back to their offensive ways in the top of the seventh inning. They start off with a single and a double. The double would score Maddie Roberts. Uh, the player that hit the double was Naomi Roberts. And Naomi Roberts, she has been a big part of this Williamsville Lady Bullet softball team this year. You know, we talked to Steve Dennis right before the season started, and he said, you know, some underclassmen, uh, I'm going to look to them to step up because there were a limited number of seniors, a limited number of juniors, and Naomi Roberts has definitely stepped up for this Williamsville Lady Bullets team, and it's been fun to watch her this season. Uh, and we hope that we continue to see her lead and uh, play really great softball as we head into the postseason. And then later on, the Williamsville Lady Bullets scored one more off of a Nora Dodsworth single, and they were up 14-12 to headed into the seventh inning. Just taking a look at things throughout the course of that game, the thought of extra innings seemed to be very real. You know, you go into that game, it's a high-scoring affair. There were a total of 36 hits, 26 total runs scored, along with five total errors. So you're sitting there, you head into the seventh inning. It's a two-run game. You saw Glenwood erase a 2-1 deficit in the last inning. So I couldn't help but think that we could see extra innings. Now, we did not see extra innings. Miranda File went back out onto the mound and the Williamsville Lady Bullets put up the shutout that they needed, and they got the final out. Uh, it was Riley Holiday over at first base, and there were two Glenwood Titans on the base paths, and Taryn Griffith represented the winning run and the final out at this point, and she stepped into the box. She worked a nine-pitch at-bat. On one of those pitches, she fouled one over towards Riley Holiday. And it seemed like Holiday had the room to get under it. She just didn't quite get to where she needed to be. So the question was, could File work another pitch that would cause Griffith to, you know, maybe pop back into foul territory or send one on the ground through the infield? Or, you know, just get something that is going to work towards the third and final out of this game. And File was able to throw a pitch that caused another pop fly foul in the direction of Riley Holiday, and this time Holiday was able to range into foul territory and back behind the first base bag, and she was able to collect the third out. You know, the Williams Lady Bullets, they definitely were excited to win this one because you head into that one against a really high-caliber team, 
uh, to get that win was huge, definitely for confidence and for momentum moving into the postseason. Now we will take a look at this postseason for the Williamsville Lady Bullets. The Williamsville Lady Bullets start their postseason on Wednesday the 18th at 4.30 p.m. That game is at Jane Grebner Field in Williamsville. They take on Carlinville. Carlinville enters this regional with a regular season record of 14-5. and I expect the game to be pretty good. Just taking a quick glance at the schedule, Carlinville has beat Pleasant Plains and Auburn. So there's two Sangamo Conference opponents that... You know, Carlinville was able to beat this season. Auburn did end up winning the Sangamo Conference, and as I talked about, they played those teams back in March. A lot can change from March to April to May, so it should be an interesting game on Wednesday for this Lady Bullet softball team. Now taking a look at the other side of this regional bracket, Stanford Olympia takes on New Berlin. Williams will beat New Berlin. That's as I said, who they started that uh, six-game winning streak against. The Bullets beat New Berlin by a score of 9-3. to Olympia enters the postseason with a record of 21-4. They went 10-0 in the Illini Prairie. And you take a look over at the Illini Prairie. The Illini Prairie is a very good conference, you know, just taking a look at some of the teams that Williamsville has played through all sports. Tolano Unity is in that conference. St. Joe Ogden is also in that conference. So a lot of good competition over in the Illini Prairie. And then you also take a look at the head-to-head match that Olympia and Williams already had this season. Olympia won that game by a score of 6-3. to So if Williamsville can kind of have that same offensive explosion that they had against Glenwood in a possible regional championship against Olympia, I believe that Williamsville can win this regional. Uh, Just taking a look at Olympia, they're a very good team. They've beat a lot of good teams this season, so we could be in store for a very good regional championship between the Williamsville Bullets and the Olympia Spartans, a future Sangamo Conference rivalry in softball as Olympia moves into the conference next year as North Mac is moving out. But that will conclude this week's softball segment, and we will now head into baseball. The Williamsville Bullets baseball team finished the season with a record of 16-12. and 12. They split a doubleheader against Tuatopolis. They won the second game. And Tuatopolis, they've always been. A really good team. You know, take a trip down memory lane back to the 2015 IHSA Baseball State Championships in the Williamsville Bullets saw to a topless there. That, of course, the game where Vince Vignali makes that amazing diving catch in center field that we stitched with a great play by Caden Griffiths earlier this season. So a lot of good history for Tuatopolis baseball, so definitely a big win there for the Williamsville Bullets. And, you know, Williamsville, they'd gone on a winning streak. They went two straight weeks, I believe, without a loss before, you know, Tuatopolis ended that. But definitely a big momentum change. Baseball is definitely a game of runs, and Williamsville, they went on a good run. And I think that this team has a lot of good confidence going into the postseason. They open their postseason on Monday against the Riverton Hawks. Uh, That game is at 4.30 p.m., so head on out 
to the baseball field in Williamsville and support the Williamsville Bullets there. Williamsville has already played Riverton this season. They beat Riverton by a score of 15-1. So the Williamsville Bullets, they'll be looking to do more of the same there. If they get the win tomorrow against Riverton, they will travel to Moreau Forsyth. That is where the regional is being hosted. They will play Pittsfield on Wednesday the 18th at 6.30 p.m. We're working on getting a broadcast set up there as I will be at the softball game that night. So we're looking, we're talking to John Hampton and Jeff Carter about maybe heading out to Maroa and getting a broadcast going there as the boys baseball team takes on Pittsfield. If Williamsville beats Pittsfield, they will play on Saturday the 21st at 11 a.m. against Maroa Forsyth or the winner of Warrensburg, Latham, and Tri-City. Moroa Forsyth, they've looked great all season long. They're number three in the polls for all the teams across 2A, so they have looked very good this season. Now, you go there to the 21st to take on Moroa Forsyth at Moroa Forsyth. Uh, if my prediction is correct, that is who the Williamsville Bullets would play. Uh, you take a look back at the game earlier in this season. Now, the final score of that game was 9-1, to but that final score does not really tell the story of the entire game. The Williamsville Bullets, they kind of held it close through that first half of the game. I believe it was maybe 1-0 to headed into, I want to say, the fifth inning. Williamsville, though, they committed some errors, and I'm not sure if that's really the team that we're seeing in Williamsville right now. This team in Williamsville, they've looked good uh, out in the field. They've looked good swinging the bats. So I think that it could be a very interesting game between the Williamsville Bullets and the Moroa Forsyth Trojans. It's still going to be a very hard game for Williamsville. They've got to travel to Moroa to play Moroa. And, uh, you know, everybody plays a little bit better at home, as you know the term home field advantage, but I think it could be a very interesting game as this is going to be a very interesting regional, but I think that we will see a Williamsville and Moroa regional championship in Moroa at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Well, this week's episode has definitely been one of our longer ones. We thank you for listening the entire way through. That's going to do it all for this week's episode. I'm Seth Coons. See you next week.